Welcome to the Wookiee Gunners Rebels Chat with your host, Jonah Marie, and the Ursa Wren to my Sabine Wren. My, my, ma, don't make me laugh. My, my mom, Maria. Rebels Chat is a family-friendly podcast where my daughter and I share impressions, reactions, and our favorite moments of the latest Star Wars Rebels episode. In today's episode, we will be talking about Legacy of Mandalore, written by Christopher Yost and directed by Mel Zweier. In Legacy of Mandalore, Sabine hopes to enlist her family to help the rebels, so she returns to her home world with Kanan and Ezra, but soon finds herself embroiled in her family's power struggle for Mandalore. This episode was crazy! <laughs> And you know what made me laugh when you said the Orsa ran to my Sabine? Ran? Uh-huh. Because I sort of like, for a while there when you guys were young, that's how, mu- how I must have looked to these kids when I was a li- oh when they gosh, were little kids. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so stoic and serious and mm, don't mess with me. <laughs> you, yeah, you were forced to be reckoned with. <laughs> but what what do you think of the episode? I love the episode. So many things, you know, like one is Sabine. Yes. Then you have the planet. It's all gray and white and, you know, there's no color. And here's Sabine with all her awesome colors. Yes, that's a great you point know? that you made. And actually, um, they, they had mentioned it in Rebels Recon where they said that the armor of the family, the gray and the black, it was supposed to symbolize that the color has been sucked out of them. Yeah, well, it, they did a fabulous job because that was the first thing I thought nice. when I saw that that planet. I said, holy crap, there's no color. <laughs> it's it's like, all dark and dreary and, and gritty and, and, and Sabine is so colorful and, and, and bright. You know? Yeah, yeah, she really stood out. And, you know, that's, yeah. that was the whole point of this episode. She is the focus of it. So jumping into... What happens with, uh, you know, you have Sabine and everyone without Hera and, and Zeb. I honestly wish that they were part of the episode, though. Don't you think that maybe they could have contributed no, in but, some uh, way? Uh, oh, okay. he, they would have been too colorful, though. <laughs> <laughs> I miss them. I suppose they could have been written in the episode. Uh, absolutely. But this is Sabine going back to her home world to get in contact with her family, and she's carrying the Darksaber. So to me, it's more of a Jedi and Mandalore kind of encounter. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. Could Hera and Seb be written in? Yeah, most likely. You know, they're a group. But I feel like this was more of these three characters. Yeah, yeah, because of how they're attached to that lore. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, and, and you know, the, the, the Jedi, they train her. She has the Darksaber. She's using the Darksaber to try and get and recruit the Mandalores, her family, into the rebellion. You know, so it was, to me, was them three. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, plus Chopper. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, they need the navigator. Yeah, they do. <laughs> You didn't do anything throughout that episode. No. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm sitting out on this I, one. <laughs> yes, and he hit himself, and then when they left, he goes, okay, you can come out. <laughs> yeah. And then, hello, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I'm Top. here. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love him. So yeah, Sabine's home world is called Crow Nest. And actually, when she said it the first time, I didn't have the subtitles on. So I thought she said Cronus. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But it's actually Crow Nest, with uh, the crow being spelled with a K instead of a C. This sounds depressing too, because, you know, you think of a crow... You know, a crow is very symbolic. Symbolic, very dark. Yeah, and then and and then crow nest. You know, this is where home is for Sabine. Like there was no decoration other than that beautiful painting that was above the mom. This tells you of her character because no wonder she she develops such artistic vision. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she she needed colors yeah seriously you know the the only way for her to pull herself out of all the dreariness was to bring color into her world to this world to her world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so sabine who's just dreading the return because she doesn't know how her well she has an idea of how her family's gonna gonna but she's dreading it and and ezra always the optimist he says maybe things have changed they might be happy to see you. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he always, if you really think about it, he's always really looking for the optimistic side of things. Oh, yeah, he's always the, the cheery one. He's always one. hoping for, for the best. I mean, look at when uh, they encountered the space whales, the, the purgle. You yeah. Know, and he's, he was the first, I think he's the first ever to say, I have a good feeling about this. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone always has a bad feeling about this, you know? So Ezra is always the one to always look at the glass half full. <laughs> yes, rather than half empty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Fen chimes in and he says that he believes that her mother's loyal to Mandalore and not the Empire. But that makes me very curious as to why he believes that. Have they met before, and or has yes, he heard most, of her? Most like, well, if he was a protector, he probably knew all the houses and leaders and things. So he probably knows. He has the four one one on on everybody, <laughs> on yeah, and, and he knows what many may be or may not be capable of. Yeah. So to him, his belief is that she cares for family. She cares for Mandalore. Mm -hmm. And Ezra, (laughs) in response to Sabine saying, you know, they could get shot down. So she should notify them. Let me let them know we're here before we get shot down. (laughs) And Ezra's laughing. And he's like, oh, oh, you're actually serious. serious. Like, really? And, and, and this is something that keeps getting at him. He never wants to accept that her comments and her pawns are not really pawns. No. The reality, <laughs> this is what could happen, boy. Oh, Ezra. <laughs> and then this part was the thing that, like, it made me scream, mommy. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was always yeah, she was a, speaking Mando. She was she was speaking Mandoa, and you know it's one of those things that was created for a book series, and you never really hear it spoken. And when that part of the Star Wars universe was considered legends, you're, you're like, oh man, are we ever going to hear Mandoa now? Is that is that even canon? So when she started speaking it, my first thought was am i losing it is she speaking gibberish i don't understand 
<laughs> and then when I, because obviously me being me, I had to go back and play it like 50 million times. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's speaking Mandoa because I, you know, I'm a nerd. I started yes. learning the language. The la- yes, I know. <laughs> you, you put a word every day. Yes, in, I did. Oh my in, God, in the you Wookie remember Gunner, that? <laughs> You will put a word, the word of today, the Mando word. The Mando, yeah, and I couldn't keep up with it because it was such a time consuming thing. But oh man, when I was playing it over, I was like, I know what she's saying. I'm understanding an alien language. language. <laughs> this is so cool. This is like this is like speaking Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, theirs is more extensive. They have a whole dictionary. We only have yeah. like a web page. But I, I really wish they had developed that more because it, it made me think about like, man, Star Wars has so many languages, but there's only a few broken words here and there. Words here and there, yeah. They haven't really developed them. And I, it's funny because then I started judging her. I was like, you totally mispronounced that word. <laughs> Hey, she's a native woman. <laughs> and, I mean, Tia Sirka is awesome, and she, her performance of Sabine is fantastic. But there were some pronunciations where I was like, man, she should have just like hit that R at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started playing around with it. I was like, Sukui Ali Ren, Ibeki Sabine Ren, Aranavor, Gadetye Mevartigar. And I was like, that's how it should have been said. <laughs> Okay. You know, but it's because I, I speak some Spanish and I see it's the word. It's easier for us yeah. to, to, to do the R's. The R's and yeah, the and those kind of vowels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then Ezra, as they're approached by the Mandalorians, they start attacking. Rockets! 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 rockets. <laughs> <laughs> and Sabine's like, I see them. I'm seeing the same thing it's that like, you I are know, seeing. I know what's happening. <laughs> Don't be a, a, a backseat driver i know <laughs> and then chopper i love that when he was approached by the mandalorians he like raises his hands <laughs> yeah, his little pins is like hey. i surrender <laughs> <laughs> And of course, they're forced to crash land. And that reminded me of The Force Awakens when the Millennium Falcon is crashing through the snow and the trees mm-hmm. and on that Starkiller base. So it, it yep. reminded me of that. And then you have Fenn saying that they'll be difficult to recruit, <laughs> to which Kanan reminds of him. Of course. <laughs> you aren't easy to recruit either. <laughs> and I thought, oh man, the good old days. When Fen was being difficult and complicated. <laughs> but yeah, he's come a long way from not wanting to do anything with them to being so involved with, yeah. with Sabine's story. Well, he sees a, a future for his planet, yeah, for his home world, a possibility of bringing it back to what it was, you know? Yeah, so. definitely. So he's going to do anything he can to make that happen. And Sabine, she asks them to not shoot these guys because one of them could be related to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, Ezra. You know, but he had a proper response, though, because yeah. they, they were They aiming. came in with guns, so yeah. he, they were know, aiming he at him. Took his saber at. And that's his, the saber is, is considered also a defense. Yeah, tool, because that's know? how he deflects attacks. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's not just used to as a sword to attack, but as uh, as a shield. Yeah, but then you also have to think Mandalorians and Jedi, they're not but best friends. But this is the thing, <laughs> as much as he may hear it, He's never experienced, experienced it. it. Yeah. The last encounter was in Imperial Super Commandos. So maybe he should have 
kept it yeah but away. then to him that's just a Bad separate Mandos. a separate group of mandalors you know what i'm saying yeah 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 flying like, like he, he is not <laughs> he's not measuring them all by the same cup that's right that's right that's and that's so good of him to do he's not exactly, judging you know he, he's not immediately assuming that these are bad people yeah 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 or or, or anything like that or that these are people against jedi so in in his mind, using his saber is natural and shouldn't provoke anything just because he provoked it with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that so makes sense. It's a difficult situation for him because he's in the middle of a war that has so much history that he doesn't know anything about. Exactly. And I feel like, aren't they going to give this kid a history lesson? <laughs> yes. And, and, and even if they were, it's still just gonna be it's it's like for all of you kids for me when we read our about world world one or world world two or vietnam or korea we see it but we see it from the perspective of the book Mm -hmm. and we can imagine it and we can put things into perspective based on movies and things that we see and, and we're told but it's never gonna be real in terms of like giving us that feeling of reality, you know? That's completely true, yeah. So our reactions and our comments and our decisions on one way or another, they're going to be based on our own perspective of what we're reading or seeing, not necessarily of what really happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Having mentioned Imperial Super Commandos, he saw those quite armored people. And yes. even though these guys are also quite armored, there was one specific one, her brother, that was yeah. wearing the Imperial Super Commando Super. armor. Yes. And this is the guy who raises the gun. Yeah. So it's a natural response. response. So he saw exactly. that. And we, I know we mentioned earlier that he's not judging all of them the same, but that one stood out to him rather than attacking any of the other ones. And, mm-hmm. and it resulted in him having to say her name because, you know, Sabine's like, Ezra, what are you doing? Yes. And he's, he's like, they shot first, Sabine. And that led to Tristan, her brother, recognizing that that's his sister. And actually, Tristan was previously named Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look just, at that, John. But huh? I know it's not related at all to me. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea of having heard it on screen, I would have been like, oh my God, there's a character named Jonah. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but they went with Tristan. And I feel like that's such an Earth-based name. And I know I shouldn't say that because you have Ezra, you have Luke. But but Tristan is like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she should have gone with that one. <laughs> Let's be honest. You're biased, Jonah. You're biased. I am biased. They should have gone with Jonah. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then Fen, you know, is told to stay behind. They might need him later. And Chopper, he comes in and says, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. You can come out now. Isn't it weird that, that more and more we're understanding yes. what Chopper is saying? Yes. It's very cool, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're taken to the place called the Stronghold, and that's where they meet Sabine's mother, Ursa Wren. And the first thing she does is demand that Sabine be put into a cell, and you're like, whoa. That's a tough mom. That's a tough mom, right? right. (laughs) Whoa. And then something else that stood out to me was the fact that Ursa is the name of Zuko's mother, 
in Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> so I thought that was really neat. I don't know whether that's, you know, like a nod to that show, but I really liked the uh, idea of that having some connection. And the fact that Ursa in the show of Avatar, she had done something to protect her people. And that's why she was cast out. And it was interesting to see Sabine in that similar role where she did something and And she was cast out. And she was cast out. So I thought that was a neat connection as well. And then moving on from that, we have Ezra always being the adorable kid (laughs) that he is. Yeah, hello. (laughs) He's like, hi. (laughs) And And all the guns go up. And he's like, whoa, hey, no, 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 just saying hello. Oh, gosh. And I love that Kanan was shaking his head in the back. <laughs> it's like, come on, kid. And one of the things they're told to do is surrender their weapons, to which Ezra's like, you don't really expect us to do that, do you? And Sabine says that they'll be safe. And Ezra trusts her. He trusts yeah. her completely. And one of the things that we learned in Star Wars The Clone Wars is that the lightsaber is a, the weapon of the Jedi and it represents their life. This weapon is my yeah. life. So the fact that they surrender it to her has a lot of meaning. Yeah. And this next section I called Parents Just Don't Understand. <laughs> no. Yeah, just like the song. <laughs> yep, just like the song. And Ursa tells Sabine that the Darksaber is not going to protect her. It's just a symbol. Which she's right. She's right. It's just a symbol. But in the right hands, it could be something more. And this is the thing. She's afraid that her daughter is not the right person. Or do you think she's afraid that her daughter is the right person? And that's a big weight on her shoulders and that could potentially end up killing her. I think it's more that she doesn't know her daughter that way. No, that she well. doesn't. No, she, she just sees a little girl mm-hmm. that she needs to protect. Yeah. And she tells her that, you know, uh, just holding it and having it means absolutely nothing. You know, it's keeping it. Yes. And in the way she says it, it's like you're never going to be able to keep it. And you you may lose your head in the process. Mm -hmm. So she's afraid that her daughter is not the, the person to be handling that. Yeah. That yeah. She, that she'll have it. That she had that kind of power. Neither does Sabine, because we know in the end, Sabine doesn't see herself as the leader. She's looking for the right one. Right. But still, in this part, you know that the mother doesn't see that level of... of potential. Um, yeah, potential on her daughter. Yeah. And this is something that does happen a lot. Our feelings as parents, the feeling of losing a child, the potential of losing a child clouds sometimes the decisions we make and many of the decisions we make sometimes affect adversely rather than in a good way Mm -hmm. because we are afraid of what could happen yeah and our fears of that are more are stronger more than what we feel like you know i know my children are capable i know my children are smart but this can happen. So therefore, 
you're not going to do this, you know? Right. That feeling, that thing. And, and it happens a lot with parents and teenagers. And it's not that we as parents are bad or, or, or that we want to dominate. It's our fears. Yeah. Our fears intervene. And, and, and this is something parents need to work at. It's like everybody kept telling me, how can you leave? let a 16-year-old go to the other side of the world alone? She's never traveled. She's, how can you do that? I was, you know, pooping my pants. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to overcome those fears and let the chips fall where they may. The thing is, you need to be able to deal with those consequences and those repercussions of the choices you make. So I was willing to deal with whatever repercussions came for the choices I made of allowing you to do this. There was not a day and a night, those two months, <laughs> that I think that if I was a religious person all my life, those were the two months that was most religious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I said that the Our Father and Hail Marys and all the prayers <laughs> I could think of. I remember when I first, when I got there, the leaders of the program had given me a message saying to contact your mother. <laughs> Yeah, because, I was like, oh, my God, mommy, <laughs> I, you know, and, and this is the thing. I made a choice. OK, yes, you're going to go and I allow you to have the experience. Then you had to deal with the fact that your mother is a crazy mother who's going to be calling and finding out where you are, and what you're doing. I'm like, oh, my God, she'd probably send, I don't know, the Navy over here or something. I'm telling you that if I had had that type of power, it would have (laughs) happened. Oh, mommy, mommy. but, but, But the thing is, I made my choice and I saw the potential, the highest potential of the good things that could come out of it, as opposed as the bad things. Mm. And this is a balance that we parents have to deal with on a daily basis. And we need to be better at it. We, mm. we need to start getting better at seeing the potential in our children and the potential for their success on the decisions we make for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that's happening too much and too often. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on, we have the fact that Ursa doesn't believe that Sabine designed a weapon that was used against the Mandalorians. So I found mm-hmm. I found that really like, oh, my gosh, you don't believe your own daughter when she says that? Yeah. And she's like, even if I did, you know, the other it would be difficult to convince the other clans that you're not a traitor. I, I just like that. I was yeah. just like, how how do you not believe your own daughter when she's telling you that she did something and that it was used against Mandalore, Mandalorians? You know, she says that the the fact that she's a traitor brought down the status of the Ren clan and Tristan, as a result, had to serve Gar Saxon to prove that they're loyal to the Empire. And they go on to explain that Gar Saxon is the Emperor's hand. And and I think Dave Filoni had explained in an interview, because apparently the term Emperor's hand is an expanded universe term, a legends term. And people, when they heard that, they were like, oh, my God. And I'm just like, what? What's happening? (laughs) The the hand of the king. And yeah, so Dave Filoni explained that it's, it's a general term. It's not meant to reflect that term that the way it was used in the legends books i mean every king has their right hand man or right hand woman 
happen depending who knows and yeah so it, for a few minutes there you're you're like man these people really chose status and politics over yeah. over one of their own the moment you hear a society is based on clans you know this is something that's going to happen mm. all the societies that we have here on earth that are based on clans this is what happens there are clan wars and the blood wars because clans try to be one over the other you know mm. they, they go for status the higher your status the better position of your clan and the better opportunities for your people I just love the idea of Sabine saying, or not Sabine, but just like the word clan always reminds me of Highlander. Highlander, yes. Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Clan McLeod. <laughs> I'm always tickled by that word. <laughs> and Sabine tells them that Gar Saxon is a killer. He betrayed Mandalore by killing the protectors of Concord Dawn of Mandalore. And, you know, they're like, whatever. We, we don't really believe it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like today I watch, you know, The Daily Show. Mm hmm. So I watched one of the episodes of The Daily Show, and he said this. He said, the problem with what's happening right now is not who the president is, but the reality that he's capable of pushing on us. You know, like, we are now living in his reality. Yeah, pretty much. You know? Yeah. So, so, so basically, these people are living in the reality that has been put forth by Men like Gar Saxon, yeah, and, the and those working for the empire for whatever individualistic goals they have, they mm -hmm. they don't care about nobody. They don't care about the people, the populace, the the clans, the world. They only care about what they can get for themselves. Yeah, he wants power. The empire can give him power. So this is what he puts forth, and then everybody only sees that reality that mm -hmm. is presented to them. Yeah. Very true. A lot of things are happening today are, are happening yeah. in Star Wars. So we have Ursa and Sabine going to talk on their own, and then Ezra, Kanan are left behind with everyone else. And of course, Ezra trying to break the ice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, so you're Sabine's brother? Hmm, I didn't even know she had a brother. I mean, it's not that she didn't want to talk about you, but she just, I don't know, she never really she talked didn't about, talk you, about before. you before. <laughs> like, Kanan, Kanan, Ezra. Less is more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone on Twitter, the Wooly Geek, she said, nearly died laughing at Ezra's nerves around Serene's family. Kanan just says less is more. Inwardly, Kanan sympathized. He was nearly as obnoxious and unglued when he met Cham. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah the fact yes, that I remember that. He, he was, was exactly the same. <laughs> he didn't know what to do or what to say or said everyone's name wrong when introducing them so so yeah Ezra's just acting the same way <laughs> and then you have a mother-daughter conversation going on so Sabine asks her why she sided with the empire and then Ursa in response says that she did it because they didn't have a choice you know it was either side with Saxon or get the clan destroyed and as much as people were hating on the mom <laughs> I kind of agreed with her. The fact that, you know, you have two choices. Which one is the one that's going to have you live? You know, there's this saying, you live to fight another day. Yeah. Dead doesn't get you anywhere. Only six feet under. That's it. You live to fight another day. Could she probably have fought more, done more? Yeah, no doubt, you know? Mm-hmm. 
no doubt that it may have started as, as a survival, but then they ended up basically being complacent to the, the whole empire. Yes, true. But in the beginning, it was a matter of either we die or we survive. Mm-hmm. And now they have an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. So what are they going to do with the opportunity? And that's what exactly this episode was about. And Sabine finds out that her father is actually alive. And on Mandalore. And this was like the shocker to me. I was like, oh, both parents are alive. Oh, my God. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes they just kill them off or the mom's dead. No, and and, like... but, but now this is the thing. Now her father's life is in danger. Yeah, yes, very much in danger. Because if the Wrens act against the Empire, they'll yeah. kill him. You know, he's collateral. And I love the detail that is explained in Rebels Recon that he was, he actually married into the family and he took their name. So I love that because it's, it's contrary to most countries and how they operate in terms of marriage. I thought it was a cool detail. And I'm curious yes, to I know more we about him. Cho- we should be given the choice. We should be given. I mean, actually, we are given the choice. I mean, it's a societal construct. You can take your husband's last name. I'm personally the one who would not. And actually, I had my previous co-worker. She was in this dilemma where she said, you know, why don't you take my last name? And and the guy had something to say about it. And in, my, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, that's probably where I would have ended the relationship. <laughs> 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 I, mean, <laughs> I, I just I don't have time for relationships, but you know it's up to you. I mean, I, you shouldn't really conform to society standards. But the thing is, because of the way society structure, the perception is that if a man takes the woman's last name, somehow he's less of a man. Because it doesn't make me less than a woman to take my husband's last name, right? So why would it make a man less of a man to take my last name? People are lame. <laughs> we need an expansion of the mind. We do. We need a, an enlightening era. Exactly what we need. That's what we need now. We're never going to get there. <laughs> oh. Moving on here, we have Ursa who says that Sabine running away actually saved her. Saved her. And that coming back, especially with that dark saber, is putting her at danger, at risk. And she asks, you know, where she even got that, where she got the Darksaber, and that anyone can hold the Darksaber. And she ends up calling Sabine immature and selfish. (laughs) And then Sabine, in response, says that she just puts power and politics before family. And Ursa's response is, everything I do is to protect my family, Sabine. I I mean, I believe that. I do believe that whatever decisions she makes is to protect her family, but I also believe it puts too much emphasis on the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts too much emphasis on the having things. Yes, she does things to protect her family, but also to enhance and to provide power and status to the family. Yeah. And that's the extra part that makes it selfish. Yeah, and makes her stubborn as a being. (laughs) Yes. And then Sabine, you know, she tells her that the rebels are planning something, which is the attack on Lothal, the Lothal factory, and that they need their help. And she says that it'd be the first real blow to the Empire. And it's kind of sad when you hear that, because it's not really going to be the first real blow of the Empire. The first real blow was when they destroyed the Death Star. But I do get why she says that, because before there's really nothing being done that could affect the empire. 
So I do understand what she says, the first real blow. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at it, it's going to be the first time that they actually do something on a grander scope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, because they're going to have different rebel cells joining in on this. So it's like history. It's like history, and you see it over and over and over again. You, You never remember the first that did it. You always remember those who made it better. Yeah, the big one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's so many first people out there. I think that the only person, if you think of the first thing they did and you actually thinking of that person, Neil Armstrong, when he jumped on the floor of the moon. The, yeah. He, he was the first one. <laughs> yeah. And he's the only one that has been remembered for doing it, even though many others did it after him. Mm successfully and probably more successfully than Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's the only one that I know of that actually was the first and remains to be the first in history. Most good things in history or even bad things in history, there's always been a first one, but you only remember those who did it better. <laughs> good point. So <laughs> they are going to be the first blow. It's just... From their There's perspective. There's going to be somebody who's going to do it at grander scale later. Yeah. <laughs> so do you really think the Rebels will succeed? You I'm don't hoping. think Thrawn? I'm hoping. <laughs> You're hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah, me too. I'm hoping. You know, this is hope. Thrawn, hope, they're going okay? up against Thrawn. <laughs> this is hope, Jonah. Hope. <laughs> I, I need to hope. This is what carries me. And then so Sabine gives over the Darksaber to Ursa as a way to prove that oh she God. trusts that, her. Oh my God. That part, I was like, Sabine. Yes. Oh. How smart you are and how dumb you are right now. <laughs> she was a bit naive in doing that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. I was like, girl, no, 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 no. I know you love her. I know you You know she's your mother, but no, 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 no. But she did it anyway. And Tristan steps in sometime after and they decide to spar as a way to kill off time to uh, catch up in a way. And Ursa, in the meantime, goes to contact Gar Saxon and tell him that the Jedi are here and that she wants Sabine's life to be spared. At the same time, Fen Rao is eavesdropping yes. in Thank the distance. Fen yeah, Fen Rao, man, rocked it. Yes. <laughs> so awesome. He makes Mandalorians more awesome. <laughs> And so he sneaks in and knocks out a Mandalorian in the face. And, and, and that's how you do it. Yes. You, you you are out there giving the hurrah, hurrah to the group that's going forward. And in the background, you're doing whatever you have to Yes. <laughs> to win it. <laughs> and he ends up taking the lightsabers and then they go back to Kanan stressing to Ursa that she should really pay attention to her daughter. And Ursa, and this is the part that I was just like, damn, Ursa, mm, (laughs) where she's like, she dismisses her as a child. And, oh man, it it, it really bothers me when people tell me to like grow up. And it's just like, "Mm, that's just an instant, like, I'm not talking to you. And and Kanan goes on to say, I believe you're underestimating the woman she's become. Oh, this line made him so much more sexier. I don't know how much more sexier this character can get. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when he said that, I was like, Kanan. Mm, <laughs> 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 and 
then Ezra. I love how they're both rooting for her and and, and yeah, trying to make it understood that Sabine is an important person, someone who can stand on her own and hold her own. And and Ezra goes on to say that you know they fought Gar Saxon on Concord Dawn. He is not someone to be trusted. And unfortunately, in saying that, you know, he said a little bit too much. You yeah. know, she decides to turn on them, and this is a way for her to ensure that Sabine survives. Because having heard that she engaged Governor Saxon on Concord Dawn, that would definitely ensure her death. So she's trying to find a way to help Sabine out of this situation. And Tristan and Sabine are sparring in the meantime. And unlike his mother, unlike their their mother, Tristan doesn't think that Sabine's a traitor. But he is mad. He he is mad. He's, yeah, because when she left, you know, it was all on him. Yeah, exactly. Do you think he's the older brother or the younger brother? I, I, I get the feeling that he is younger. Right? I would get a younger feeling, too. Just because he's bigger doesn't mean that he's older. So, yeah, it'd be cool if he was actually the younger brother and she's the oldest. When she talked to him, it's been a long time since, like, basically she says, it's been a long time since I have given you a whooping. Yeah, basically, yeah, essentially. When they went off to spar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it sort of sounds like she's the older Mm -hmm. sibling. Yeah. And he's mad that the the other clans turned their backs on them when she left and they lost their position in the capital and and, in honor and in respect. And Tristan, he just wants to restore everything back to the way it was and get their father back. And that's something that Saxon had promised them. Oh, and right away, you know, like, you can't trust Saxon. Yeah, trust Saxon. <laughs> but they don't know that. And that's but what yeah, they're exactly. keen in and Ezra trying to emphasize that to them about Gar Saxon not being trusted. Yes. And so, speaking of the devil, Gar Saxon comes in, and Ursa hands over the Darksaber to him. Oh, oh. That was... I, I, that, that was... Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> it's, all, it's all crumbling. <laughs> um, and Gar Saxon betrays her, in turn, yeah. and says that she was harboring rebels this entire time. You know, what, what goes around comes around. Double stabbing. <laughs> yes. Tristan's like, wait, no, you know, we're all Mandalorians. Why do we all have to fight? <laughs> and Tristan is ultimately given a decision. You either stand with me or you stand with your family and you die. And he decides, you kind of think, you know, gosh, this kid's going to freaking betray them. <laughs> Oh, when when he turned around with the gun, yeah, I said no, not another one. Because earlier today, I had seen the movie Insurgent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the brother, he betrays her. Well, spoilers for anyone who wanted to watch the movie. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. It's a 2015 movie. I know. <laughs> you had two years to watch it. I mean, come on. <laughs> so. You know, I'm like, when I saw that, I said, no, not another one. What is it with brothers? (laughs) They don't think, man. (laughs) And actually, speaking of, you know, in the early stages of this, of the, of the show, it turns out that Tristan was actually a girl and she was a twin sister. Oh, that would have been interesting. That would have been so much more original. Oh, I mean, not the twin concept, because Leia and, and Luke are twins. And Luke are twins, but, but they're that they're two girls. Yeah, two girls. Like, that would 
have been really cool to see a Sabine that's not Sabine. And of course, opportunities missed. And I don't know what was their decision ultimately in choosing a guy, but that would have been an interesting dynamic, you know, between two sisters and their mother. You know, one sister decided to leave, the other sister decided to stay. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> the things that could have been. <laughs> <laughs> And what also, and going back to that point, what also would have made it really cool is the fact that Satine in Star Wars The Clone Wars, spoiler alert for you, mommy, but she has a sister. I, I won't say who. That, that way you don't get completely spoiled. <laughs> but okay. She, <laughs> but she has a sister. And they're both obviously Mandalorian. So I think that would have been really cool to have had two other sisters and yeah. having that dynamic. I mean, the more the merrier, to be honest. And at this point, Fen barges in through the window. Uh Oh, awesome. (laughs) Breaking window, breaking glass. And then gives Kanan and Ezra their sabers. Kanan is like, where have you been? Yeah, where have you been? I've been doing stuff, you know? I've been busy. Come on. (laughs) It's not easy getting in and out of this place. And so the fight breaks out. Classic Mandalorians. That's all they do. I love it when Gar Sansa go fam rah. Yeah, rah. Like, <laughs> like his arch nemesis, he's been fight- wanting to fight with him, and I love that he ultimately doesn't fight with him. This was yeah. this was more of a Sabine's. I'm not killed, but you know that was that was her chance to overpower him. And Gar Saxon decides to go and attack Ursa and Ezra turns over his lightsaber and we and we just earlier discussed that a lightsaber is a jedi's, li- a jedi's life yeah. and he just gives it to he her. just gives it away to her oh man he's so awesome <laughs> and sabine goes in and protects her mom one of the things gar saxon says is you will be taken back to mandalore to finish what you started the last living member of the ren clan so do you think that was him saying that her father is actually dead dead or is that him implying that he will die once he gets back to mandalore i I think it's more of him implying because not everybody in that place is dead. no no not yet but that's yeah he's getting to that he will have to kill everybody so i think he's sort of like being ahead of himself and, and making himself like i'm gonna win and I'm going to let you live last and you're going to be the very last in front of everybody to be killed. Yeah. And I love that he said, finish what you started, which immediately reminded me of Kylo Ren. I will finish what you started. You started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, emo like. And yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to know what this weapon is. And we have a, a listener question, actually, who who asks this. So we'll we'll get to it at the very end. And Saxon, he crashes through the window with Sabine. So there's more holes to be made. <laughs> more, <laughs> more glass to be broken. Exactly. And, and then they begin to fight. And Ezra attempts to go and help her. But Ursa holds him back and says, by Mandalorian custom and law, no one can interfere. And I love what Kanan says in response. You know, Are your customs more important than the life of your daughter? And he has a point. You know, when is... All this tradition, yeah, well, custom. When are you gonna get, let that go and realize that your daughter is more important? Where is the limit gonna be reached where culture is more important than the life of those 
who you claim to love. Exactly. Yeah. And it gives her something to think about while Sabine is risking her life. Mm-hmm. And and Sabine, oh, so cool. She uses the flamethrower thing and, and the darts to throw Saxon out of the sky because he's using the, the jetpack. And I love that it kind of mirrors the fight that Maul and Pre Vizsla have in, in yeah. Star Wars The Clone Wars. And then Ursa, I, I love that she had like this very proud moment. It, it was very brief, but you kind of saw the look of pride when Sabine overpowers Gar Saxon and has like the two sabers to his neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's a very weird moment to be proud of your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're Mandalorian people. <laughs> they're Mandalorian, Jonah. They're warriors. Exactly. She's about to end him, but she says that might be the Mandalorian way, but it's not my way, not anymore. And it reminds me of the lesson that Kanan was trying to, to instill in her. in her and protector of Concord John. You know, don't kill everybody. Don't kill anyone, you know. And she kind of uses that well, and both, implements both it. Well, both Ezra and him, they look at each other when she's in that opportunity yeah. there with the two favors at Gar Saxon's throat. They look at each other sort of like, you know, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is the moment that decides. And she decides. Yeah, and that's not her thing. And she walks off very proudly for having done what she did. And he goes to attack her. And I don't know if a lot of people experience this, but they kind of thought, oh, my God, she's been yeah, when, shot. Yeah, when, when, when the shot went off, I went like, <laughs> oh, my no. God, so yeah, we I, got I went, shot. No, 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 no. Somebody killed. At first, you know what? I thought it was Tristan. Oh, okay. At first, I thought, oh, Tristan did it, you know? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they show the mom. Yes. What Kanan said must have really resonated. Yeah. And I I would hope that she thought back to the moment when Sabine blocked her from being killed by Gar Saxon with Darksaber. You know, Sabine yeah. protected her in that moment. To me, she kind of returned the favor and, and the fact that she's my daughter and I'm going to protect her, even yeah. though, you know, I'm I'm very I'm a very cold woman. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not a hugger. She looks yeah. like she's not a hugger. <laughs> no, I don't I'm telling you. She she looks a lot like me. Yeah. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone soft. I've yes, gone soft. you've gone very soft, mommy. You're you're like, whatever, just do whatever it is that you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then Fen warns them the fact that Saxon's death is going to bring chaos to Mandalore. We know what he did, but everyone on Mandalore is going to go berserk when they find out that he's dead. And, and Ursa says, you know, perhaps Mandalore needs chaos if it's to become strong once again. So Mandalore is going to go into another civil war. It's going to be fun times. Okay. <laughs> and Sabine, this is the big moment of the episode. She decides to stay. Stay. And I kind of saw it coming because once she grabbed that saber, that dark saber, it, it kind of implied that whatever she was going to do with it was going to happen off screen. So it didn't have a big impact on me because, again, I saw it coming. Uh, but for a lot of people, they had mixed emotions. They're like, um, what? <laughs> do you think it was? I don't think it was out of character. Some people said that it was out of character for her no, to for her to say. No. no, that was her intent. This is this is her opportunity. She had to leave her world behind, mm-hmm. in essence, to save it, which is what we learned on, on the previous episode. 
where it's getting all these things out. And now there's opportunity for her to come back and do something about it. Yeah. This is who she is. Mm-hmm. If she goes out there to be a rebel and to protect others, why is that a character that she wouldn't want to do the same for her own people? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. This is in character. This is who she is. Totally agree. It's ultimately something that I hope that they'll cover in a comic book or maybe in a book in the future. But it's something that needed to happen because ultimately family matters to her. And and yeah, she has family in the ghost crew, but this is something that she can't run away from anymore. And she needs to fix this. It's sort of the opposite, really, of what I saw happen with Cham, where he went from focusing on Ryloth to focusing on the bigger picture, finally, because of Hera. And now you have Sabine, who was focusing on the bigger picture, and now she's narrowing it down to Mandalore. But in a way, it's also looking to the bigger picture. It is, Because if she's able to unite her people... Mm -hmm she may be able to bring them to the rebellion side. Exactly. Right now, it may be just there, but it also works for the future. Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm going to miss Sabine. I'm going to miss she Sabine, too. she's not away too long and that she can come in back and forth, you know? Yeah, yeah, and she has family and the ghosts, so, you know, I don't expect her to be away for too long. I actually think that she's going to come up in the season finale, but we'll talk about that because I think someone asked a question about it, so I'll leave my answer for that. So then Sabine gives Kanan a hug, and I thought that was very sweet because that's something that I've always wanted to see between them. And, And of course, she didn't give Ezra a hug, and I'm like, great. That's fantastic. So we're not going to see her for who knows how long. And she didn't give Ezra a hug. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I love that Ezra was very supportive. Like he didn't, there was no whining from him. I don't understand why people keep saying, not in this particular episode, but in past episodes where they see him whining. I'm like, I don't know what it is that you're seeing, but he's actually been very supportive of Sabine. He accepted her decision, didn't argue about it, and now they're headed off to go back to where they need to continue their work with the Rebellion. And Fenn says that she can lead Mandalore, that Sabine can lead Mandalore, but she ultimately says no. She'll, she'll find the person to do it. And this was the big twist for me, because I thought that they were building building her up for this and it turns out that she's not going to do that and I'm like okay that was the unexpected part for me not her staying (laughs) I expected it to be that way this is not Sabine when that opportunity came up I was like yes totally Mandalore's ruler Sabine is a reluctant leader she has the potential she can be a leader but she doesn't want to because she knows exactly what that means and she feels that working from the outside does more. That makes sense. So I did see that. I expected her not to embrace the idea. She could end up being the person. She could end up embracing the idea. I didn't expect her to embrace it right that and there in that moment. Right. So that's it. That was the end of that episode. And it was a very good episode. It's one of the, I watched it like 15 times. (laughs) 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 Um, Mainly because of the Mandoa part. So I I was just like, oh my God, she said something in Mandoa. So moving on to listener questions and thoughts. Franklin had sent us an email weeks ago, but I decided to leave it for this occasion. So he said, salutations. I thought back to something when I first saw the image of the ghost crew mural above Sabine's 
bed and Sabine's look of worry and or anxiousness before getting out of bed. It reminded me of the Book of Life movie where uh, I think I showed you that movie, mommy. You might yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. He says when Joaquin was standing in the literal shadow of his late father's statue, that Joaquin felt he couldn't raise above his father's legacy as a savior to his town. I got the impression that Sabine was worried about letting down her new family and that their expectations were a burden crushing down on her upon her shoulders what are your thoughts keep on being awesome franklin so that was that's a great point i i I Uh, love that movie yeah that movie is one of my favorite things to watch when uh dia los muertos comes around and i recommend everyone watch it as well it was made by a mexican storyteller so he grew up with that culture and it's one of my favorite movies and yeah, that's a great point. That's the reason why Joaquin took that little medal that would give him the abilities yeah. to conquer and, and do whatever, the, all the cool things that he was recognized for doing because he felt like he couldn't overcome that legend that was on his shoulders. And it, it, certainly when Sabine looks up at the mural, you can see the same thing. You can see that feeling in her actions. I don't want to let anybody down. Yeah, yeah, that was a great analogy. And then moving on, we have Chris, who said, I can't wait to hear the next episode of Rebels Chat now. Wonder- wondering what Jonah and her mom think of family versus honor. Family versus honor. Yeah, yeah. So uh, here's one, a uh, Mandoa word for you. Honor is uh, ijat. <laughs> 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 to to me, family is honor. Family is honor, yeah. But honor is not necessarily family. Because you, you may choose to do the honorable thing, which may not necessarily help your, your family. But whenever you choose to help your family, you're always doing the honorable thing. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's my, my view of it. I put family first so that it leads to the other. To the honorable part. Mm-hmm. Because if you put honor first... It may lead to other things, not necessarily to your family. Yeah, yeah. It leads to you being dishonor on you, dishonor, dishonor on your, your cow. cow. <laughs> <laughs> that Mulan. I know, Mulan's awesome. But but yeah, I, I, that that's how I see it. Um. You know, if you are true to your family, if you always choose those who you love, put them first, you will always end up doing the honorable thing. Yeah. So J.D. Hart asked, finally, a mother and daughter relationship. Were you happy with the dynamic they established? Do you see much of Ursa and Sabine? So, yeah, finally, I'm so happy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that they're focusing on this. And even Stephen Melching, who I approached on Twitter, and I said, man, thank you so much for focusing on that because it's a very different dynamic than what we've seen. And he's like, yeah, they're happy to have done it, and I'm glad. And in terms of Ursa's qualities in Sabine, yeah, I totally see Ursa in Sabine. (laughs) Yeah, they're both stubborn. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're totally um, in control of their own situation, and that's why they end up clashing I see myself in Orsa and I see you in Sabine. Yes. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah. Yeah, but but in a more easy workable way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Eric asked, What do you think is the weapon Sabine is referring to? Or did I miss something? And then 
he also asked, is your mom the Ursa to your Sabine? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I saw that, I laughed because I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to use for the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in terms of the weapon, um, you know, I really want to know what it is that Sabine built. The particular weapon. Well, in the one where she's uh, training with Kanan. Yeah. She says weapons. Yeah, she She built it. weapons, many of them. Yeah. So, so she was instrumental in, in many of the weapons that are probably currently being used by the, the Empire. Right. So it, it wasn't just one weapon. It was the technology of the different weapons uh, being used. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I was thinking about when it came to the whole weapon thing, it reminded me of Galen Erso from Rogue One. Yes. Was forced to enhance it in a way that they could use it. And it ended up killing a lot of people. And Sabine was in a similar situation. Situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amy asks, did Ursa help Sabine out of love or because she saw a chance to seize power? That's a great great Uh question. Could there be an ulterior motive to her doing what she did? I choose to believe that the words of Canaan meant Sunk something. In, yeah. Was more important. Yeah, same. I, I hope that's the case because I would really hate for that relationship to break down because I, I, I want a healthy mother-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she also said, also, please talk about how great Ezra was. <laughs> Ezra is always great. He's always when, awesome. Even when he's been a, a, a little stinker. Stinker. <laughs> He has such admirable qualities, and I love that about him. And this episode, I like kept seeing myself in him because I do awkward conversations with people like that <laughs> all the time. And when he was talking to her brother, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is like a snippet of my life." <laughs> So yeah, Ezra Ezra was great in this episode, and I really love how supportive he was to Sabine, more than her own brother. (laughs) Sandra said, Sabine's story is a constant reminder that it's okay to step out of the box to find your way and become who you're meant to be. That's a great reminder. Yeah, always be yourself. Always be true and honest to who you are. Even when family or things like that tend to get in the way. Yes. As sad as you can be because those who you love are not supportive, it's going to be even worse if you try to live a lie. Very true. You have to be true to who you are. You have to be happy with who you are. Accept who you are. Once you do that, then everything else falls into place. Not necessarily in the place that you may want it, but in a place where you are able to manage it. Yeah. And Megan said, so I think this was a bittersweet episode. I think Sabine came full circle in this episode by dealing with her family issues and her fears. And I think she conquered them in the end. She has some big challenges ahead of her, but I think it's where she needs to be. Do you think she made the right choice? Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Like she said, she couldn't keep running away. She can't keep running away from her family issues. She needs to sort those things out before she moves forward. And she definitely needs to mend that in order for her to help her other family and bring the Mandalorians to the rebel cause. 
So it ultimately is the right choice. It's the right thing to do, especially when Hera had asked her to do it. So she's following through and, and in the process, mending her personal relationships. She goes on to ask, it's sad that she will no longer be part of the ghost crew, though. Do you think this opens up for a new character or crew member? Or is this show starting to put characters where they need to be once the rebellion starts getting ramped up? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it opens up the opportunity for other characters to come into play. Hondo! No, just... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and it also does the other one, which is put the pieces. War is a chess game. Yeah. All the pieces need to be in the right place for the right outcome in the end. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, it's a little bit of both. Traditionally, in, in storytelling and TV shows, once a character is removed, a new character is normally introduced. Um, not immediately, but at some point. I would love to see someone, especially a female, come in to replace that. It would be cool, though, and someone had brought this up, if Callus joined the Ghost Crew. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see it as, a, as an opportunity to introduce different characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, like like a revolving door where where different characters are introduced and brought into the story. Yeah, but not necessarily are going to be permanent, permanent and stayed. Yeah, yeah, Hondo. <laughs> <laughs> It is I, Hondo. Hondo. (laughs) Yes, we know it's you, Hondo. (laughs) She goes on to ask, do you think she will come out of the Ghost Crew retirement by the events of Rogue One, or will she stay on Mandalore? I think we are a couple of years out from that, right? So Rogue One is two years from the events that took place in in Rebels, so I can definitely see her coming back sooner than that. I don't expect her to be... I expect her to come in and out. Knowing Mandalorians... It's going to be an in and out. It's going to be an in and out. They they, they just tackle things like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the time of Rogue One, though, I I personally like to think that she is on Mandalore rather than in the ghost crew with with Hera and Chopper. I hope we get to the point where Dave and the rest of the crew get to tell that story. And I hope none of them die. (laughs) (laughs) And then she goes on to say, I also wanted to mention that I thought it was awesome Sabine wielded Ezra as a lightsaber and she was pretty great at it. I like to think Finn had a Sabine moment in The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. I-, I always said that the moment I saw Finn, I would have loved for him to be the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that the, the main character, the girl, was it, and I love that too. But I don't know. I want Finn to be a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> He's a, he's an adorable guy. It would it yeah. would be really cool if he I had turned him. out to be that. Yeah, and and like I said, the marketing really really tricked us because I thought he yes. was. <laughs> yes, man, man, yeah. They really pulled a w- one on us. Yeah. And Patty said, Sabine speaking the Mandalorian language, that was a surprise to me. Was it a surprise to you, to both of you as well? What does Jonna Marie know about this language? Well. Oh, Jonna Marie knows loads about it. You know what? It was more surprising to me to hear Hera with her accent than it was to hear Sabine speak Mandor 
So, you know, when I heard her, it felt normal for yeah, me to natural. hear her. Yeah, yeah. It felt natural. I, like I said, the first time I heard it, I was like, what gibberish is she speaking? <laughs> but then like a, a few seconds later, it dawned on me, oh my God, it's Mandoa. So yeah, I was, I was overjoyed uh, over the moon when I, when I heard that. Oh, man, I really wish that they could build it more. Here's hoping that's the case. Although when I thought about it, it was also very awkward because the author who invented it, I think, her name's Karen Travis. She wrote the Republic Commando series. There was a bit of a situation, a complicated issue that had happened between her and George Lucas and, and Lucasfilm. I, I don't exactly know what it was, but it ultimately ended the series prematurely it sucks that we never got that last book to the series and and we never really got a full language out of it so maybe they'll build it maybe they won't but but i was at the same time i was like oh man this must be really awkward (laughs) (laughs) she goes on to say i was saddened that sabine's mom called in saxon i really would not trust saxon to keep his word about leaving sabine alone however i do not have kids so ma may have a different opinion of this action, what does she think? Well, I understand what the mother has done to keep her family safe. And I also understand the deal that she made to save her daughter. She doesn't care about nobody else. I get that. The thing is that, and this is the part where I really don't blame her, because she's not working with the full set of facts. No. Gar Saxon has put up a reality in front of his people of events and they don't have anything else to go by except for what he's telling them so then this is the reality these are the facts we know different but then the mandalorians don't have the knowledge we have and this is why it's so sad what is happening right now where journalists are being blocked and and, and shamed because of telling the truth Because we need the truth. We need facts. Mm -hmm. We need people telling things how they are. And we need different perspectives, not just one. Because if all we needed was one perspective, we will have a totalitarian dictatorship, you know? Yeah. One person ruling, saying what everybody else needs to believe. Mm -hmm. And that is not the way of democracy. So we need different perspectives. We need people telling the stories so that the real facts come out. And we make informed decisions on that. And we can, exactly. So they're making decisions on what Gar Saxons have told them. They have nothing else to go by. So I don't blame her for putting her faith in Gar Saxon. Because this is all she has. Yeah, yeah. And this is the way for her to save her daughter. Mm-hmm. Now, us, we know differently. So if the set of truth that we know, the set of facts that we know, our decisions, and I'm hoping her decisions will be different. Yes. Yes, she will, she will try to save her daughter, but she will do it in a way that wouldn't put Gar Saxon so easily and put opportunities so easily available for him to, you know... Because a man like him owning that dark saber, the damage he could do is unimaginable. Right. And she also said, wow, what a cute brother. <laughs> so glad <laughs> so glad he did not ultimately side with Saxon. Okay, so I have to ask, 
Who would Donna Marie shit with Tristan? <laughs> okay, so I've actually given this thought. <laughs> okay. And Let's yeah, hear it. In addition to racial diversity in, in Star Wars and in general, I'm always there for gender diversity and I'm always there for sexual orientation diversity. So I, I was like, oh my God. And I told this to my friend. This was like uh, weeks ago where I said, Oh man, what if Ezra is actually, you know, bisexual? <laughs> and then, you know, he starts hitting on Tristan. <laughs> you know, the awkwardness, <laughs> the awkwardness of their first encounter could be telling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, you know, I'm all for it because that is reality. Bisexuality is is a thing, even though people want to erase it. So I was just like, yes, I kind of like that idea. (laughs) And then Sabine will be like, oh my God, this is so awkward. (laughs) But yes, I have given it a fair thought. (laughs) No, but you know why I wouldn't want that? Because I want Ezra with Sabine. Oh, Oh, so you do ship Sabine and Ezra. Yeah. I didn't realize this. I have to go back in the past episodes because I, I feel like you weren't a player in that. <laughs> well, just because I'm not putting my thoughts all out there <laughs> all the time doesn't mean I don't have them. So you're a Sebezra shipper. Yes. yes uh, that's that's the, what they call them? Yeah, that's the, that's the shipping name, Sebezra. <laughs> Sebezra? Okay. <laughs> or, I, as, I was... or as Bean. <laughs> I like as Bean better. As Bean? Come on, I like Sebezra because it sounds like Sebezra. a zebra. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it sounds like Cerveza. Cerveza. <laughs> Which is beer in Spanish. Beer in Spanish. <laughs> But yes, uh, many ships to be shipped in this show. So, so that that's the only reason I wouldn't I wouldn't go for that because uh, I don't want a brother and sister fighting for the same man. <laughs> oh man, I love it. <laughs> and then Ezra, she she goes on to say Ezra giving Sabine his lightsaber to fight Saxon was a great show of trust on his part. So glad she put it to good use. Also glad Sabine did not follow the Mandalorian rules of one-on-one combat and kill Saxon herself. Yeah, that would have been out of character. That's sort of like an yes. Anakin thing. <laughs> yes. Don't don't do an Anakin. <laughs> So yeah, we're we're glad that she ultimately rose above that and uh, implemented some of the things that she's learned by being with the ghost crew. And uh, she said, Sabine's staying, crying. (laughs) My hubby is even more upset than I am. He said, all the color is being taken out of the show. Do you believe that it will be for the entire season or will she be back before the finale? So this is what I had mentioned earlier, the fact that I think that she's going to come sooner rather than later because uh, the description for the final episode is that Ezra finds some sort of other source to help with the attack. Uh-huh. And I feel like this someone is Sabine and some of the Mandalorians. And that's when Mandalorians finally act out against Thrawn and Empire. the Empire. So I want to believe that she comes in in the last episode. But who knows? Maybe this is some other source of something that he may know. Who knows? <laughs> but that's my thought on that. What about you, Matt? We could also have the possibility of things not going well for our rebels. And being that Sabine is not there, she is in the better position of coming back and rescuing them. Yes, that's my hope. Uh, so. Yeah, that she steps in and saves them. She pulls a carol from The Walking Dead and saves Dead, all of them. Yes. <laughs> 
And then the last bullet point she has here is that hug to Kanan, but nothing for Ezra. Wonder why. I was thinking about that too. Like, why why didn't she give Ezra a hug? That would have been very sweet, considering how far they've come with their relationship as comrades. So uh, I, I would have expected one. But at least she gave him a sincere thank you. That means a lot, just as much as the hug. Although the hug would have been really cool. <laughs> <laughs> And then Andy said, going off of last week's episode, I think most of us assumed that Sabine would ultimately become the new Mandalore now she was in possession of the Darksaber. The story didn't turn out that way, and it was more about her facing her past and reconnecting with her past, which I liked a lot. What did you both think of this direction the story took? To me, I think this is the way it was going to be, because I did mention, I do believe I mentioned last time that she is not ready to be a leader, that she doesn't want that responsibility. So I, I never actually thought her as taking that position, at least not willingly. Right. I sort of saw that this was the way that she it was going to go for her. Mm. Things can happen that could put her in the position of having to choose that, but not not yet. I was on the opposite route. I thought that she uh, was the way that they had talked in past press conferences and putting her up there with Ezra as being a very important figure. I thought that she was going to be this. I thought she was going to become the Mandalore, but Mandalorian she is, ruler. She is a very oh, important yeah, figure. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. I know, yeah, yeah. I, I meant in terms of, I guess, like a leader in uh, in her own culture but, but this is the thing that, she is that there's many yeah. ways of, of being a leader you don't have to be the one person and i think that this is something that that gets lost a, a lot because we put so much emphasis on a figure yeah. in front of, of ideas and things that we forget that leaders don't necessarily have to be the principal image that a true leader is the person who is capable of seeing where things have to go, how things have to be done in order to accomplish the goal without necessarily putting that person in the forefront. Right. To me, a successful leader is the one that nobody knows, but he was the one who successfully made things happen. Mm. But then nobody knows it was him. So to me, she is a leader. The fact that she knows she is not the person to wield that saver, but that she is the person that needs to find the one that will do it. That, to me, makes her more leader than the actual person who's going to do it later. Interesting. And even if situations arise that will force her into the position of actually being the wielder and the image in the front of, of it all, mm -hmm. I think it will be forced on her and she will do it because there is no other choice, not because she sees that she is supposed to be the one. Yeah, I can see that now being having seen this episode and and her desire to find whoever this is. Yeah, I can see it being thrust upon her. She's so good that she knows she is not the person for it. Mm. And that to me makes it greater than anybody else <laughs> because it's not power. Power doesn't drive her mm. mm -hmm. doing the right thing. Drives her. It's what drives her. Yeah. 
So Andy also asked, also, do you either of you think that Maul may survive another season? <laughs> Ursa's dialogue that for the Mandalorians, they would only see someone who has defeated Maul as truly being able to claim the Darksaber and unite the clans makes me think we may see Maul versus someone in episodes to come. My first thought was Bo-Katan, who seems like the strongest contender for this role, but I don't think that would happen this season. It also seems we may be getting a second Mandalorian Civil War. This one hopefully will be seen on screen, but what do you both think of this? Do you want it to happen, or do you feel like it could take too much of the focus away from the Rebels, no matter how compelling it may be? So, I have spoken to Andy about this, actually, through direct message, because it was a fascinating theory. I, I'm not Maul's biggest fan. <laughs> I would like to see that character's fate end already (laughs) by the hands of Kenobi, but a lot of people have been suspecting that he may survive again. I can definitely see that playing out. You know, the fact that it was a weapon that he had taken from someone else and took it rightfully through combat. And Sabine didn't do that. That just happened to come her way. So I could see someone fighting Maul and that being his end. The way he had ended the previous, I guess, ruler of Mandalore or the person who wanted to rule Mandalore. So that would be fascinating. And uh, yeah, I could definitely see that playing out in the form of an animated series or in future episodes. But I I could also see it taking focus away from the Rebel crew. This is the thing that could happen. We may end up seeing snippets here and there Mm -hmm. of what's going on. But I don't think they will put it all out there only because, like he says, it will take the focus away yeah. from the the story that, that Rebels represent. I would like for them to show, to take uh, an episode here and there and give us uh, a status of what's happening. Right. I'm going to skip to this other question because it's sort of related to what we're talking about. And it says, a lot of people, myself included, are thinking that a new series, whenever that may be, might be focused on the Mandalorians. What do you both think of this idea? And when would you like it to be set? Like, uh, for example, he gives further back in the timeline, current with Star Wars Rebels or in the future, etc. Going off of what you were saying, I could see, yeah, I could see a few episodes here and there just to give us a status of what's going on. But I can also see the next animated series that the, that there have been rumors about focusing on Mandalore and this aspect and Sabine maybe taking center stage in that series that would be cool like a spin-off of sorts I could see that mm-hmm. but who knows what it is that they're planning for that next animated show I feel like that show might cover the span of time between The Force Awakens and uh, Return of the Jedi but that's just everyone's wish so I keep thinking that's what's going to be but it could be something completely different and uh, yeah, I would like this next animated show to be either that span of time or simultaneous with Rebels. Because as much as I love the previous content, I feel like uh, there's a lot of other periods that need more attention at this time. And, and those two are, are the ones that interest me the most at the moment. And the other question that he had was, uh, also, I know Jonah in particular has been wanting to see an on-screen mother-daughter relationship for a while. What did you think of Urso Ren? I have to admit, I've fallen a bit in love with this character, and I'd love to see some Clone Wars era stories with her when she was in Death Watch 
with Bo-Katan and perhaps even Rook cast. Maybe throw in a younger Saxon as well. Oh, that sounds so cool. Yeah. Uh, a younger <laughs> a younger Ursa Wren, <laughs> who in many ways could be like a Sabine Carla Wren. her daughter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with less colors. With less colors, yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, her being with Bo-Katan. Because yeah, that's right. She was part of Death Watch. That's a good point, and I completely forgot to acknowledge that while watching the episode. It'd be great to see a comic of that, or even like a Netflix series. I, I want them to tap into Netflix, but they haven't really done that yet. So that was it in regards to Andy's question. So thank you so much, Andy, for sending those in. And I have next uh, Red's email, and then one last question. So let me just head on to this email here. And Red wrote, wow, this was an emotional episode for me, and I'm betting it is at least a little bit for you two as well. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, long email. Sorry. (laughs) 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 The first thing's less of a question and more of a thing I really liked. Sabine speaking Mandoa, yes! (laughs) As, As someone who's bilingual, it was really nice to see a character speaking a different language and to do so so naturally. Was that something you two enjoyed? enjoyed oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i very much enjoyed it and and actually sabine is more of a, like a, a multi-language learner i guess or speaker because uh she spoke a couple of languages before in um in a series i think she spoke uh aqualish i think that's what it was that she spoke and i think the sabine book that came out a few years ago has a few other languages that she speaks too i think wookie is one of them and a few other ones oh i would have loved her to hear speak i Wookie. know right <laughs> i tried speaking wookie one time with my co-host on star scavengers and that was hilarious <laughs> um, and there's actually tutorial videos that i had to watch just to, just to make sure that i was doing it right and i could never get it right hey my household shoes they're wookie they speak wookie they're wo- they- yeah, they make the the, the sound <laughs> every time I step. That's so cool. I didn't realize you had Wookie. Oh, you sent me a picture. That's right. Picture, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cute, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> And the rest of the email is, let's see, it's been confirmed in canon that Sabine survives past episode six. <laughs> so she can't die until then. Oh, she's, it's been confirmed? I wonder how that was confirmed. Maybe I'm missing something. Oh, I wonder if it's they're referring to, there was like some sort of art display in a novel. Yeah, I think I heard from the author, or my friend who had spoken to the author said that he had no idea... It's not in relation to Sabine, but we could paint it as it was in connection to Sabine. But who knows? Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm off on the tangent. So uh, they wrote, so she can't die until then. However, do you think Sabine being with the Mandalorians will be permanent? Or do you think she'll eventually return to the ghost or to the wider rebellion? If so, when? We can see her coming in sooner rather than later, especially because the ghost crew might end up needing her. Her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that would be a perfect entrance for her. And uh, very Carol from The Walking yes. Dead. <laughs> in a similar reign, in the t- episode description for Twin Sons Part 2... Oh, see, this is what I was referring to earlier. It says, it says that Ezra gets help from an unexpected source. That was the wording. So do you think Sabine could be the source? Therefore, bringing her back to the Rebellion, or is it someone else? My- <laughs> and then they wrote in, in, in parentheses, My friends and I have theories ranging from Hondo... <laughs> To 
saw to some Lasat to the Wookiees from the first episode. Oh, hey. oh the Wookiees from the first episode. I will even venture to say the word that you don't want to hear. Mom? Yeah. <laughs> Mommy, that's blasphemous to think that way. Well, oh. think about it. Oof. <laughs> well, well oh, man, that w- the Wookiees really, that that interests me very much. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, Maul, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but, but what would that endgame be for him then? Like, I don't see him participating in that willingly. I don't know. Maybe thinking that somehow um, Savine is with them. Maybe. Because... Th- this is the thing. Pretty soon, a lot of people are going to know that Savine has the Darksaber. That's true. Maybe he so, wanted, wants it back. <laughs> yeah. So what better way to go to Savine than through Ezra? And being that Maul is the, the conniving type of person he is. And that will kind of connect to what Andy said about facing the person yeah. who who wields it yeah hmm. interesting it's all coming together <laughs> <laughs> and they go on to say next up how do you two feel about the loss of a main female character at least for a short period of time i know it makes sense in terms of the plot to have sabine stay with her family but i still can't help feeling disappointed that we seem to only have one female lead for now and with only one mention of Hera's name in the descriptions i'm worried about whether or not she'll play a key part in the series before the finale with Thrawn coming into the picture, I feel like that's more of Hera's nemesis yes, than anyone else's. So I, I think that she will. And we even saw a, a snippet of it in the mid-season three trailer where she's talking to him mm-hmm. at the command center on Adelon, on the rebel base. We may we may see a lot more of her. It's just that the descriptions are misleading and, and they don't really include her. So I'm, I'm hoping that she'll be a main part of that. She has to be. She has to be. That's how they set it up from the beginning. Yeah. You know, the way they confronted each other. And this is the, like you said, the nemesis. It is sad. That was one of my first thoughts. Oh, man, a female character is leaving the show, leaving Sabine, uh, leaving Hera. That's why I thought they would have been co- really cool to introduce a character into the, the crew. But uh, it doesn't look like it. Like, they'll be adding someone. It's, I'm hopeful. Maybe it'll be Callus, But, you know, Callus isn't doesn't fit the the, the, the female type. <laughs> uh, <No. laughs> uh, he fits the pretty type, that's for sure. He's very pretty. <laughs> but moving on, we have... It's unlikely they'll show any of this on screen, but do you think this will impact Ketsu's relationship with the Rebellion, Ketsu Onyo, as her main tie to it with Sabine? She doesn't get a lot of screen time, so we don't know much about what she's doing, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that she's working with the Rebels. You are correct. She is... Last we saw her, she was working with the rebels and whether that affects her relationship now that Sabine is gone you know I would like to think that Ketsu would be faithful and loyal to Sabine and fight for the good fight that Sabine so highly believes in believes in Mm -hmm. so I I like to think that she'll still contribute and and it won't really affect their relationship but it would be great to see her again I mean she has she's pretty much been non-existent so I'm hoping she'll be one of the characters we'll see. Because my, my dream uh-huh. my dream for the season finale is all of the characters come back. You know, Iron Squadron. And, and, and yeah, in one uh, way or another. Yeah, yeah. And you know? That's my, that's my dream. And I, yeah, I'll be kind of sad if they don't live up to that. But we'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And yeah, Ketsu Onyo being present, at least briefly, will, will give me hope that she did follow through with 
with Sabine's message and yeah. and then she's contributing. And then finally about the next episode, I'll skip past the big is Kala's going to die question since you've probably had that already and ask instead if you think he'll meet up with Zev again since talking to him was what drove him to be Fulcrum in the first place. Oh, they have to. I will be so sad if they don't. <laughs> yes, that, they have to. Yeah, they're friends. These characters, <laughs> yes. Even they, Zev they're, said They're it. reluctant friends. You know, they, they're the best of friends. Yeah. They don't know it. They don't know it they yet. Are. <laughs> Which is why I don't want him to die, because that would be so freaking sad. But I would want them to see each other one last time, even if it's, you know... On a, in a rush and they kind of brush past each other or something but yeah they started something and I, I, I want to see it <laughs> again mm-hmm. um, and they just end it with thank you so much I can't wait to listen to this latest podcast Red so thank you Red for sending in that email it was very cool hope we don't disappoint yeah hope we didn't yeah and the last question that I had to say for last because it was it was gold uh, is from Flox Flox said <laughs> no question but can I get a Luke, Luke, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> that was genius. I was like, oh, they're totally going to get that from me. <laughs> Luke, Luke. <laughs> so that's it for today's episode. Stay tuned for our next Rebels Chat when we'll discuss the episode Through Imperial Eyes, which airs on February 25th, 2017. I'm kind of worried for this episode, obviously for the content and what's going to happen, what might happen. But you didn't see the preview yet, Ma, from Rebels Recon. And it's done from the first person point of view. So when you watch it, it kind of, it didn't give me nausea. But it kind of gave me the impression that I will get nausea <laughs> from this episode. So I hope I hope it was just that one moment and that the whole episode won't be like that. Um, and we have seen snippets oh, of it in the trailer. That's not going to be good. That won't be good. So Because Ma and I are, get motion sickness. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I can't do that. So I think, I think it's just that one instance so that you can really see that this is going to be through Callus's eyes. And, and then the rest of the episode will be as normal. At least that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> so in the meantime, make sure to rate and comment on iTunes and Stitcher. Visit thewookiegunner.com. That's Wookiee with two E's. <laughs> I, keep seeing, I keep seeing the Wookiee as in one with one E. And follow Rebels Chat and the Wookiee Gunner on Twitter. And may the force be with you. Always. <laughs> <laughs>